you were talking about the cruise they got back from yes yes any fun updates since then anything exciting or just like usual actually fun fact so i told you guys all the story of how alex and carly met from the cruise Mm -hmm. alex and carly met from his bar mitzvah his dad sent the invite right that whole Mm -hmm. story it was the wrong carly he told me after listening to our episode, they've been together for seven years. They just found out that it was actually him, Alex, sending the wrong invitation, not his dad. What? Wait, how did they find that out? He just like told me because I guess he brought it up or something. Oh. They texted me that they were listening to our episode. And I was like, no, you ruined it. I was like, you ruined, you ruined it. What do you mean? So funny, though. That's um, hilarious. Like, but yeah, other than that what yeah right crazy i mean the story just picks the wrong carly i know but literally literally this weekend was a lot of there's a lot of birthdays for friends coming up Mm -hmm. which is always a fun time but yeah honestly i don't really have any crazy updates jack came over for football sunday with my family and then we went to a comedy show to see Alan Zwei Bell get a Lifetime Achievement Award oh, at Stanham New That was like two of my faves in one sitting. So yeah. that was really cool to be able to honor him, who helped start out my career. If you don't know Alan, he's one of the original SNL writers. Um, and he actually was working with Billy Crystal together. They were both kind of starting their comedy journeys together mm-hmm. and, you know, He's had movies that he's produced. He he's really done so much work with so many different comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just really cool to see him have Jack there, have my mom there, and be at Stand Up New York. But yeah, that's it for me. Well, that's cool. Sounds like it was a fun time to see him. I'm sure. What about you, Marla? We know you've been on some dates. You have the more interesting updates than me. Yeah. So I had three dates last week. It was uh, two first dates and a third date. Um, We'll go negative to positive. One of the first dates was a hinge guy. And Mm -hmm. I feel like all girls or even guys too have experienced this when you were going on a hinge date or a blind date. There are some dates where literally you like sit down and within like 10 seconds, you're like, oh no, like Mm -hmm. we are not going to vibe. Like this was this hinge date, like he seems like a nice guy like nothing wrong with him but like i just knew when right. we, we sat down started talking and i'm like we're not really like it's no for me it's not gonna be a match yeah thankfully sounds so bad but i had actually planned it before um like it I, the date was at like six or something and i had to be somewhere at eight for this like jewish women's group so thank, thankfully there was like a time limit to the date where i had to leave by because mm-hmm. but it was like it, it was like it was kind of like pulling teeth like i feel like he was oh, somewhat those are the worst. Those are the yeah. worst. It wasn't like the worst. Like he was somewhat talkative, but it definitely felt like I was the one like leading the conversation. And I was just like, dude, you probably also feel that this is not it, but can you at least try to like ask me questions or like try? So what did you end up doing? Did you leave early? Or you stayed the whole time? I mean, you're such a benefit of the doubts, girl. I'm crying. No, you this definitely is definitely enough. 
it's so funny because I had a friend recently tell me that she went on a date and within five minutes she knew it was like not it so she said to the guy you seem great I don't this is it I don't want to waste anyone's time and she just after five minutes ended it and I was like wow good for her yeah Yeah. I mean like but I feel like I and this was the first time in my life where I was like I wanted to do that I wanted to be like hey I know I wanted to be like we should just split now but I felt bad and I don't know it's, it's kind of awkward to like I give her major props for doing that because I feel like it's a very uncomfortable thing oh, to yeah. reject someone to their face I mean dating yeah. is honestly so hard like when you commit to a place and a time and like you know yeah. you already have to be there so if, like it sucks and you're just yeah. like a good person you like don't want to yeah you don't want to leave or like give off a wrong vibe what if you end up knowing the same people and then they're like mm-hmm. oh so and so was so rude like you don't yeah. want that yeah and I the thing is I knew the day had a time limit anyway since I had to go somewhere so I was like okay we'll just yeah push through but it was just like funny because I feel like out of all the dates that I've had since I moved here like even the ones where I knew we weren't like gonna go out again I still felt like I was having a nice time because the person was like talkative enough but this guy yeah it was just like not super talkative and I was like oh did you leave it did he try to like kiss you no 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 it was kind of awkward we like we're about to hug and then we realized we were going the same direction to walk to our cars so I'm like ah let me cross the street and then we hug and we're just like bye and I was like he didn't text me I didn't text him I think we're on the same page but anyways when when you both just like know and you don't have to say anything yeah well honestly and I was telling my friends about it and my one of my friends was like I usually do like facetimes before hinge dates and I'm like you know what I was doing that during COVID which everyone was I do that I say this all the time I think I'm gonna get back into that where if I go on hinge date I think I'm gonna be like let's hop on FaceTime first because like I just don't want to my time I'm very so busy like but on the bright side the other first date I had was pretty good um I don't really know that much about him it's it's very it was only a first date I feel like it was a lot of conversations were a bit like surface level Mm-hmm. Um, or not that surface level but still like first day we'll go out again I'll see how it goes like I still am trying to figure out like he's the type of guy where I'm like oh you're a great guy like, I know he will be a great like partner he's such a gentleman but as far as like do our personalities actually match I don't know that yet so we'll right. see and then I had a third day and it was actually really fun this guy we like have very good like we have a like fun like good banter so we'll see though because like mo- like our dates have mostly been like fun and bantery but I'm like okay mm. is there is there depth here like can we connect on a deeper is there level? more to it yeah yeah so so we'll see um but I think I might I have some, some hinge guys that I'm like talking to but like I kind of might like wait to like do anything with that until I figure out these other two guys because like I don't this is, I mean I am a circular dater but I also don't kind of it's so funny there's this I think most people in New York know who Serena Kerrigan is and she talks about like the yeah. rule of three like you should be always be dating like three people at once so you so that you don't get too oh, invested wow. in it, so you don't get too invested in one and so you can also like figure out what you want so I don't but know I also like how do you tell who you like if you're always going on dates like all the yeah. time there's gotta be a balance like, for sure I feel like for me I would just get nervous like talking to multiple people at once like when I was single so like I really 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 like narrowed it down until not also because you don't want to text the wrong person do you know, do you know what I was someone did that to me someone did that to me that's bad like you know my FaceTime rule right yeah. so like back in the day somebody literally was like 
I was like, oh, can we FaceTime? This was like prime COVID. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we FaceTimed before. And I was like, wrong girl. <laughs> but thank you. That is Cliff. hilarious. Oh my yeah. God. Well, there was, when I was in New York, I remember there was two guys that I had gone out with that randomly, both of them liked turtles. Weird coincidence. And one of them had told me a story about Didn't like- did you a- have a bird guy too? Like what I the hell? Heard, uh, yeah, bird guy too. Who knows? But anyways- there was these two guys who told me they both loved turtles, like as a kid growing up. And one of them had told me something about like this stuffed animal turtle they had. And I made a joke about the stuffed animal turtle to one of them. It was the wrong one. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I never had a stuffed animal turtle growing up. And I was like, oh. oh so it is, it is a really bad way to like, yeah. Yeah. So like, I agree and I disagree. I think with like, limits to it yeah it depends if like, it's like really mean, tiny borderline conversation also if they have similar names absolutely not oh, no. absolutely not get out of there depends. i think it also depends like how many dates in like if it's like you know just like within the first five even i'll say six dates it's like fine but i think once you get into like seeing someone for like a, obviously like a one two month like to I don't know number of, it's more probably has the number of dates than months because sometimes dates can be spread out but after a certain number of time obviously you, you it's better to probably focus on one person but like I think in the beginning it's okay because you're still like you really don't get to know someone I feel like I feel like you really get to know someone around like four or five dates that's when you like really see do we like click but until then it's kind of hard it's to so know. hard to even know someone in general too because yeah I was just on TikTok too it's like the way people are talking about dating it's like it sounds like people's dating experiences have just been so saturated and they're just like mm. willing to expect so much less someone just posted no one talks about the heartbreak of when your friend is dating someone who you know isn't good enough like that's mm-hmm. just it it seems to be the theme nowadays so be yeah. good friends to your friends and let them know what they deserve, but don't be too invasive. I think that my my friends can totally relate to this because my ex from college was not a good boyfriend to me. And like it was one of those things where like me and him were roller coaster back and forth. And my friends were always giving me advice and telling me like to get out of it. And like even though I knew what they were saying was right, like I couldn't do it until I saw it for myself, which is the hard thing. For sure. And and that's the truth, but they would be bad friends if they didn't like tell you. Yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. You should definitely tell your friends. We will we will get into this. Like I wanna I wanna have more conversations about this and let us know what you guys think. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Schmuck Boys with Eliad Cohen. Okay, that's right. If you are Israeli, you know how to say the name right. We're going to teach you together. Eliad. 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 So our guest today is more than a triple threat. Like he beats all, all things ever. He's an Israeli model. He's a fashion designer, a real estate investment specialist, entrepreneur, and party producer. I don't know how he sleeps at night. He is the co-founder of Gayville, a gay-friendly vacation rental service that started in Tel Aviv, a prominent Israeli personality after landing the cover of 2011-2012 issue of Spartacus International Gay Guide. 
And, okay, guys, like, I have to breathe here. After completing his military service, he began a modeling career, branching into organizing Tel Aviv Pride events and promoting various activities in support of LGBT-friendly Israeli tourism, as well as Zionism. Please welcome this, like, legend of a man who is here right now. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, I have nothing else to say after this. So (laughs) thank you for the interview. Good night, everyone. (laughs) And so you're located where? I live in Miami now. Miami, but originally Israel. Originally Israel from the north, from Akko, very small city. Mm. And I went to the army for three years and then I moved to Tel Aviv. Beautiful. Stunning. So we start the episode, now that we know logistically where you are, we can really get into it. So we start with the relationship update of the week. Something fun or cute you did recently, could be a date night, could be like a conversation. So what's what's your update of the week? Mine, well, to be honest, is recovering from last week, which was Art Basel, Miami. Yes. Oh, yeah. 150 events, like every day. I wake up every morning, the shoes on my face, the clothes all over the room, and I'm like, another <laughs> night of events. And I'm like, okay, today I'm going to keep it together. I will go to like two, three events. And here we go. One chaser, one shot, another last. So it was a very intense week, but very interesting. A lot of art, a lot of fashion, yeah. a lot of people in town. So it was amazing. And what about the dating side of the updates? Anything uh, there? It's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> complicated complicated okay okay we can get a lot from that (laughs) and what what about you You can send your guesses in the comments guys but um maybe we'll get into it later maybe we'll get a little little piece but um let's first start with your career so it was modeling first which which career began first and how did that start so when I was 21, when I moved to Tel Aviv after the army, um, I started to be a bartender, a personal trainer. Mm. And I started to face about me being gay and, you know, accepting myself. Uh, and then one day I was working at the bar and two photographers from Berlin told me, do you mind if we take a picture of you? First uh, professional picture I ever took in my life. Wow. Before, I was the funniest guy in school, doing like show, theater, then in the army, a fighter, but also you there. You were the a funniest. theater kid? What's that? You were a theater kid? Uh, well, in high school, we were doing like big shows and stuff. Mm. You too? Me too. <laughs> He's like, I know, I know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, and then they took the picture and two or three months later, Spartacus, back at the time, I would call it like, you know, it was Sport Illustrate for the gays. It'd go once a year and it choose like the hottest gay guy, whatever, around the world to be on the cover. And the funny thing that this was my first professional picture. So before that, I never done any modeling. So you're and, about to be a cover on your first ever professional. And it got photo. on the cover of Spartacus. And I'm like, it's amazing. What is happening? So then they flew me to Berlin to do promotion and also to promote Tel Aviv was a tourism festival. Mm-hmm. And I'm landing in Berlin. Just remember, three months ago, I'm sleeping on the floor and eating rice for breakfast. I'm flying to Berlin. There is a building with my face. And I'm like, what is happening? I swear I was like trying to wake up and I'm like, this is not, this is not happening. 
And I started to get known from the modeling. And we did back at the time, there is a party called Arisa. It's a party with Middle Eastern music. Yeah. So those videos, the same time I was doing the cover, went viral 13 years ago with 5 million views on wow. the events. And it was really so harder to go viral and back that's then. even crazier then, yeah. yeah. Less people on social and everything. And then the party became so popular. You know Tel Aviv, Habibi Tel Aviv? Of course. Yes, I'm in the video, I'm in the main guy in the video. We did this wow. video. So this is the songs we were doing. And then we did with Sarit Haddad and Zahra Ben. And Margot Tanani, we did it with all the biggest. And to clarify, people. when you finished the army, I'm sure you were one of those that just was hoping to travel the world. You, you didn't, you yeah. didn't expect any of this. Well, I've been in a relationship uh, for two years, so wow. I went to Thailand for one month with my friend from the child, my childhood, and friends from the army. Mm-hmm. And then I came back because I couldn't disappear for a long time. I was okay. in a relationship. That makes sense. Wow, you like really got your foot into the door. I know, <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so then how did modeling turn into also the real estate work that you do? So from the modeling, when I was doing the modeling and the videos for Arisa to go viral, we would do a tour in Brazil, Toronto with a, with a party, but the videos were amazing. And when we arrived to Brazil or to other places, the first two, three songs, they're like, you know, the, the people love it because it's in Hebrew and it's from the video. But for two hours, people be like, you know, after it became awkward and I'm on stage and I'm like doing like belly dancing, trying, smiling, but it's kind of like, kill me, kill me, get me out of there. So I decided to start my own brand, which called Papa Party. Mm-hmm. And very fast, like very quick, it became one of the three biggest gay parties in the world. And yeah. I went on tour for 12 years. Uh, 2019, I had 55 events, which means I had three weekends off before COVID. The rest of the year, I went on an airplane. And when COVID hit, all the tour canceled. And I was like, okay, I love real estate. I wasn't, um, when I lived in Madrid before for four years, I was investing in properties there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I would just do real estate and I will invest here in uh, Miami. And now it became full-time job. Wow. Gotcha. So it was the pandemic that kind of shifted you a bit more into that real estate world. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Which okay. I have to say, you know, the first week was a shock, mm-hmm. but suddenly I'm like, oh my God, it feels amazing to wake up in my bed and have my own breakfast and go on routine and I don't need to go to the airport every weekend and wake up somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I still do the events, but once a month, I'm willing to travel Mm -hmm. and the rest, I want to be here and have my own routine and my personal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that kind of goes to what we're going to ask next is like, how do you balance everything that you do, you know? And yeah, like, how do you, how do you do it? There's so much to do. It seems like. You have to be very focused, you know, Uh, uh, especially when you travel a lot and you, let's say, I mean, like modeling and interviews i need to be on diet and going to every day for dinners and then i needed to wake up very early every morning go to the gym get it done by 7 30 ready for the day so yeah it's a lot of discipline i would say uh and the most important make it fun you need to enjoy it because yeah. i love whatever that you I see do, that whatever i do all the brand it's things that i want to do i don't do it just okay i need to make money no mm-hmm. i do things that bring me that i do with passion yeah, that's that's super important because I feel like there's so many brand opportunities nowadays that 
you, you don't always know. Like some people could just be promoting it for the money and some people, you know, are try to be more, you know, um, specific with what they choose to um, promote because they want to be genuine, which is really important, I think, especially with the just overflow of people that now exist that do those types of promotions. For sure. And and we do have to ask, are you like an expert packer now since you're all over the world all the time? Like, do you just have like a packed bag, like at all times? What's your like packing system? So in the beginning, I would travel with huge, you know, with luggage. Also, I needed to carry the clothes of the dancers. But now I'm traveling with trolley. I don't want to wait for the, the luggage to arrive. To go. I love. And yeah. And sometimes I know, let's say, um, some before the flight, I just, you know, throw everything inside, sit on it and close because everything right. is very dirty. But just to go, I know how to organize weekend. Perfect. And sense. so a lot of Israelis talk about how the army has shaped their career and shaped who they are as a person. How do you think serving in the army has affected your career or your persona at all? Well, one thing for sure, it changed my life from here to there. For the army, I did theater. It was my my dream was to be an actor, and I was writing and directing, and I was really living that. But then the army, you know, suddenly for three years, you completely disconnected from your life. You spend three weeks in the army, you go back for two, three days, back to the army for three weeks, so you can do much. On the other hand, you know, when you finish the army and, you know, after all that, we were training for one year in the desert and then I've been on two years on the border with Lebanon and you're dealing with such a hard situation and hard stuff that when you go after to real life, everything looks so much easier. Mm-hmm. You get perspective about life. Yeah. Um, That's and this is something that, you know, really, really helped me. I think that's something that a lot of, like, I feel like Jews understand why Israelis can be the way they are, but I feel like people that don't know a lot of Israelis or don't know about the military service don't necessarily have the understanding of, yeah, sometimes Israelis can be stereotyped as like blunt or honest, but it's because you guys have at a younger age than most people have like been around really serious things. And so it really puts life into perspective for you guys at a much younger age, whereas a lot of us, you know, 18, we're going off to college. We're just partying and drinking every weekend. You know, we go to class. Maybe we have a job, but we're not, you know, dealing with The maturity with is different. Yeah. And it creates kind of difference in personalities that people can't always understand. But like you have, when you look at like where it comes from, it makes sense. I feel like. True. Especially, you know, our mind, because, you know, when you arrive to the army, I remember they're like, mom, we already training and then the chief show us a mountain. Yeah, like tall mountain, far. And he's like, we are with like armor and stuff. We need to carry everything. And he see, see this armor? In seven hours, you go up, finish from the other side and coming back. We look at him and like, is this a joke? Mm. Like, it's impossible. He's like, let's see. We went on the mountain, all the soldiers pushing each other. We came back. Right. Nine hours. He's like, we told you, say, we told you. He's like, sleep well tonight because tomorrow you're going to do it again. And again, and again, and eight hours 30 and eight hours 20. And after three weeks, seven hours something. And in the end, after a month, that's what we were doing. Like, Wow. They we made you made a hustler. 
That's we why were, you're so good at so many different things. Exactly. And we were destroyed on the floor. I remember. And then those calf muscles. <laughs> no, nothing. Now you don't feel now. You don't feel your, your nothing, nothing. And then he told us, remember this moment, you now on the floor, that one month ago, you said there is no way you're going to do it. Mm-hmm, and yeah. here you are, month after, you did it. Wow. Remember this moment for the rest of your life. Nothing is impossible. Non-impossible thing is what you tell yourself that is impossible. Right. And this, you know, these kind of things really, really help. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, people always say, right, like mind over matter or like, Sometimes when you're working out, they say, you know, like your brain thinks you are like ready to stop sooner than your body. What's something like that? But it's like you can always go further and push yourself harder than you think you can. Not just physically. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. You know, when I see people, oh my God, no, I cannot do it. I'm like, yes, you can. You saying you can because you have an option to say to yourself you can. But if you have no other option, you're gonna do it. So cut the option. Just right. go, go for it. Yeah. Right. So so obviously you grew up in Israel, but as far as more like Judaism goes, what what was your kind of Jewish background like growing up? Because I feel like with Israelis, it can really go, I mean, it's, it's diverse. You know, you have religious Israelis, secular Israelis. What was kind of your experience with Judaism growing up and also kind of how it is in your life now? So as a kid, you know, obviously we study, you know, the Bible and everything. I was going to the synagogue in the weekends on Fridays and Saturdays. But with the time when I started to realize that I like guys, I, in my head, I was really ashamed. And in my head, I'm like, wait, how can I, you know, how, can do both? Yeah. how I can believe in something that's saying that I am wrong. Mm-hmm. And this started to push me away from, you know, going to the synagogue or the traditions we do at home, Passover, Rosh Hashanah and everything. But the rest, I always obviously believed in God. Just, you know, I felt like, I felt like people, you know, taking the Bible and making it their, their own and saying, oh, you cannot love another guy. You cannot do this. Right. And I'm like, yeah, this just not make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And then I start to read about Kabbalah. And that's why I have the high with me for 12 years. Of mm-hmm. my, and the red, the red string. The red string is still from Israel. It's from last I went last month, and I'm going again next month. Mm-hmm. So it's you're not supposed to cut it at fall, but it's not falling. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like you don't need it anymore when it does fall, right? Is that what? what it is? With the red, with the red bracelet, is isn't it that like, a Kabbalah thing? Yeah, isn't yeah, that part of it? outside the the kotel? The they give you they right. give it to you, and they tell you you should keep it till it just falls. But if it falls off, that means you don't need it anymore, right? It, it protects yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, like the whole concept. Just to explain to everyone, um, like about the bracelet. So you mentioned a lot of like your struggle with Judaism and like when you realized like you were gay. Are you yeah. able to speak on that journey specifically? How did you know? How did you essentially come out when you felt like those two worlds were fighting one another? So I feel like I always knew since I was 10 years old that I'm looking like guys in a different way. But in my head, I was like, yeah, I don't know what is it, but... Like in denial. In denial because, you know, growing in the north of Israel, you see gays only on TV in the movies or, you know, going in gay prides with pink and like shining stuff. And I was super masculine guy. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is not me. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, so only when I was like 20, 21, I, I decided to tell my mom and yeah, it was a shock in the beginning, but then she's like, if you're happy, I'm happy. Great. That's amazing. That's really great. That's, that's, I feel like special to have that, True. you know, um, outcome. Cause obviously, you know, this doesn't happen for everyone. And then in regards to dating, like what was the timeline at least of like your first relationship? Like, were you someone also that had dated girls previously before? Yeah. Till 2021, I had a girlfriend for two years. And before mm-hmm. I was, I guess I was trying to prove myself and the people around me. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know, going around, see a girl dancing, making out, whatever. Right, right. But it was more for, you know. <laughs> it was more for show. Show, like, yeah. I have a lot of friends who've had similar stories too. And it's just always interesting to hear, to hear when people are so comfortable in their own skin and really showing other people how happy they are and inspiring Mm -hmm. other people to like really just tell that story, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, obviously you touched upon a little bit, the struggle between the Jewish community and like the LGBT community and maybe there being issues with one of those communities not accepting the other you know i'm sure you're aware of how there's you know some pride parades in america where they were like banning the israeli flag and you know obviously there are some religious jews and or you know jews who are not okay with lgbt so i guess one of our questions is you know as a vocal member of both of those communities um how do you kind of deal with combining those identities and maybe any advice that you would have for people that are kind of going through that same struggle of being parts of both of of the being a part of both of those communities well first of all this is like i just moved to miami too it's a jewish building like Mm -hmm. it's the mid beach so so many jewish here and i feel like you know was there is a woman super nice one and every time we were chatting and she then she's like oh maybe i will do she do for you and i'm like i don't think your she do reward and then you know i told her she's like why i said because i like guys and she was in shock you know right. and right before we were talking about because what this to- like stereotype you think of like what somebody needs to look or act like in order to like a guy no, as well, and I guess also, let's not forget that we're living in a different world. The way she was raised, basically, mm-hmm. you know, she was raised in a way that, oh, gays, they are going to hell or whatever it is. Yeah. So, and right before I told her this, she was like, you know, so upset because what's going on with the Jewish people around, like in US. But then, you know, from one other hand, you're saying that, you know, when people judging the Jewish people or this, then you come in, you do the same for the gay people. So we have to be united. We have to, we have to be together. We have to support each other. And for me, this is, it's all about love. It's all about, you know, I have a lot of friends from Lebanon and a lot of friends from Syria, from Gaza. They come into my parties in Paris and they will hug me. And for me, we are all one. We are all the same. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So awesome. beautiful. Um, I did just want to ask you in regards to like dating misconceptions or dating issues, what do you think are dating issues that might be different, at least within like the gay Jewish community, like with actually dating gays within the community? Is it harder to find someone who's Jewish and gay? Do you care about 
like did you in your mind you only want to date guys that are jewish because i know people some i mean as i said for me you know obviously i'm jewish i'm israeli i'm proud but mm-hmm. person i'm gonna date i guess for straight people i would say it's more complicated because of the kids and you right, know right we are already gay. We are already not allowed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Like the last thing they say, find another Jewish guy. No, they're like, yeah. go. So for <laughs> us, I guess it's less complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I was just saying, have you ever had issues where you met people that like had a problem with you being Jewish or Israeli in the dating in the date in the dating scene? So my ex from four years ago is from London. And I remember that we went on a boat through common friends in Italy for a week and we went around. And before I came on the boat, his friends lives in New York. He's Palestinian. Mm. And he said, he, do, he doesn't, he never met me, but he said, if he's coming on the boat, I'm not coming. I'm not going to share my time with Israeli and blah, blah, blah. They stole my land. They stole this. I'm like, the fuck? But I didn't know about it. Just later, I went on the boat. The other guy that after we were dating, he told me the story. And for me, it was like, I was in shock. I'm like, really? Like. If someone tell me, I don't know, there is someone from somewhere, I don't care. It's the person he is. Mm. And I try to make things okay. I try really to talk in a nice way and explain things like I always do. And the best way is the same with the lady in my building. I never judge. Mm-hmm. Because if I was, again, if my mom would tell me, oh, uh, the Jewish people are this or the gay are like this or the Palestinian are like this, Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything up. Okay, that's what I. That's how I was that's, raised. That's what people. That's what you grow up on, and I say this all the time too with anti-Semitism that I experience. It's like, yes, I want to scream and I want to be mad, and it's like at the same time, it's like I was raised accepting everyone. I went to public school my whole life. Diversity was everything I ever knew, and for some people, they just they didn't have that. So. It, it's hard to teach that you got to work on people who maybe haven't always formed their specific opinion yet. I agree. Yeah. And just for me, knowing that before I would get really upset, I would be like, Oh, they hate us. Oh, they hate the Jews. They hate the gays. I'm like, yeah. no, they no one born to this world hating someone. Mm-hmm. People were educated or like brainwashed or whatever. Right. Exactly. So when I change the way I see it and I'm like, they, they, they don't hate us because they hate us. They hate us because that's what they were told. Because mm-hmm. you know what? When I lived in Spain, I realized what's happening. Because, you know, moving from Israel to Madrid for four years, I will open the TV. And I know that just now where it felt like 200 rockets in Israel. Right. It was like eight years ago. And I opened the TV and you're showing... Israel attacked Gaza. I'm like, what the f-? But showed it was showed, like 200 missiles were going to Israel from Gaza right before, but they don't right. show anybody. So right. if now I'm a Spanish guy and I open the TV, I'm like, those f- Israelis, mm-hmm. they, uh, they bombing now. Uh, those half of the information. Yeah. They omit yes. like, the part that makes us look okay. You know, and that, that's constantly the battle that we're fighting. 
like constantly. And Marla and I have experienced this too. Like my account was almost taken down because I posted a video for Birthright. And that was like my whole career, my everything that I was starting up working for three years. You know, imagine it was deleted and I didn't get to work in the social space that I am now. I had to fight to keep my account because I condoned a video for Birthright. So, and it's so frustrating. So just speaking out and you also have a wide range of followers, Mm -hmm. like so many people know who you are within the Jewish community, outside of the Jewish community, the gay community, the gay Jewish community, like the real estate community. Yeah. Like you hit all so the, the Israelis, like you have a wide you platform. All the marks. And the cool thing is you combine it all in one. So I don't know anybody else like you. Thank it doesn't you. exist. So I just had to share that. Um Another thing is, what would you say to people who wanted to be more vocal about everything going on, whether in the Jewish community, Jewish gay community, speaking about Zionism? It's so important, especially those days, you know, before, okay, for like, you know, all the social media and stuff, but you see so much hate and things going on against the Jewish people. And like, once again, people that they are not educated enough. So we have the, I think the responsibility to do something about it, to, to post and to even, you know, don't get too deep. Don't get, but do your part, explain mm-hmm. something, tell your own personal story. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, whenever you're talking with someone and you see what he was, what his thoughts about all this, just try to find something in common first. Mm-hmm. Try to get. You know, if you just start right away, oh, Jewish, Israel, blah, blah, it's already before that. Try to find something you have in common. Mm-hmm. War, yeah. your friends, your hobbies, get there. And then when you build this, you know, um, conversation and if you're comfortable, then you can open it. And remember, you don't hate. He was educated to hate. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so important what you're saying about finding common ground, because I also think that because we hear so much about like anti-Semitism and I'm very vocal about that on my social media, too. And I think because of that, myself and people that also are vocal, it can be very easy for us to automatically go on the defense. And then when you go on the defense, other people almost automatically go on the offense and you kind of have to like take a step back and be like, how can I kind of start to explain my views from a way that doesn't come across as like too defensive because then they're not really going to want to listen. And obviously I agree with what you're saying about it being super important to um, um, speak on social media. And I think even more than that is if I feel like if there's ever a time where you can like mention something positive about Judaism or Israel in like a conversation, not obviously out of the blue, but if it's like an easy way to connect it, it's important to do that because I almost feel like we're at a point where it's not even normalized in some social circles to just like mention Israel. And that's almost insane to think about that. It's not even normal to do that. It's funny because I'll find myself even times where I, I like I was at a networking event a couple of weeks ago and there was two different guys that I, I talked to. And the first one I knew within like 
two seconds of talking to him that he was also Jewish. And so we got on the topic of, you know, what social issues are important to us if we were going to work on documentaries. And without even, you know, hesitation, I was able to say, oh, like Judaism, Zionism, like Israel, like those are topics, those are topics I'm passionate about that, you know, maybe I would love to work on someday. And then like 10 minutes later, I was talking to someone else who was not Jewish and kind of similar conversation came up because we're talking about documentaries. What topics would I want to work on if I worked on like, you know, what am I passionate about? And I should have just said the same answer, but there was a part of me that was like, I'm afraid this guy might not be super cool about Israel. So I was just kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'd want to, you know, have the things that I'm passionate about outside of work also be what I work on because it would be really consuming. Like it would be everything in my life would be about this one topic. And I think a lot of people might be in situations, social situations where maybe they could say what they really want to say related to Judaism or Israel, but they don't because they're kind of fearful of how someone else might react. And like I said, I'm guilty of it too. And I think it's important thing is if you have the opportunity to say something positive or even just neutral about like Judaism or Israel in a conversation, it's important to do that. So it, so it becomes normalized again to just like say Israel the way you would say any other country if it was like made sense in the conversation, you know? You know, what's so interesting about what you said is like, I feel like I was always like a loud Jew, like loud and proud when it came to public school. Yeah. Shocking. (laughs) But also like, right. Like I would think everyone around me, I always grew up thinking was so supportive and so understanding. And like, I would take off for the holidays and anti-Semitism was this thing that I talked about that was going on. It wasn't something that I experienced or really saw firsthand. I always kind of felt really lucky. And then it wasn't until I started doing Jewish TikTok, like on my own, that I was noticing that a lot of these people that I thought were so supportive just dropped because they just couldn't handle how Jewy I had become, even though I always was, but now it was like a bigger part of my identity. Right, right. So it's like people could handle it in doses, Mm -hmm. but the second it became, quote unquote, my whole personality, Mm -hmm. it had to take a step back. Right, right. But I'm going to stay loud and proud, so. Exactly. (laughs) So you're obviously very vocal about, you know, Judaism and Israel and anti-Semitism on your social media. When did you kind of start sharing about those topics on social media? And what was kind of like the driving force for you to start doing that? So remember the first picture, the cover ID for Spartacus, I had my high on me. Mm, so wow. it was the cover. So I started with, you know. You started with your Jewish identity. Very Jewish, yeah. And I never, never, you know wanted to hide it and every time people will ask me a question I will always answer and well just I never I, I just I'm not afraid from nothing like except mm-hmm. sharks and snakes but uh I'm really I do things you know even all my my career like when I do from moving from fashion to this my mom would tell me you know when I left Madrid are you crazy you you doing so well I, I did some tv there and I'm like yeah I just want to start over and if I fall I stand up so mm-hmm. the same about you know things I believe in and I just prefer to stick to my through and just say what I have to say obviously right. in a nice way but you know what you said about that you were sometimes afraid to share and you're feeling guilty 
Well, it depends because for me, it's the same when, you know, young kids asking me about getting out, going out of the closet, when is the right time? There is no right time. I think you should do things when you're ready and believing. And most important is you have to make sure that first you're safe. And if you think something could be in danger, I will tell you, yeah, better stay quiet mm. and make sure you're okay. Because right now, this is the priority. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's very important. It's something people don't think about a lot, I think. And again, I guess it's about timing. If you know, you're still don't want, not sure you want, you want to say your opinion and take your time. Yeah. Because when you're not sure and you're saying it, it's... You're not yourself. You're not convinced that you really want to be part of it. So it will feel like that. It doesn't mean as much until you really, uh, until you really feel, okay, I'm ready. And I want to just do it. Right. Yeah. That's I love that. Feel secure within yourself before you kind of share it with the world. For and sure. It will feel more natural when you're ready than mm-hmm. forcing yourself or rushing yourself for a situation that you're not ready to be. Right. And when you look back on all these things you've accomplished, what, what stands out to you? What are you like the most proud about that you've done? Most proud of done. For me, all this is like a fairy tale, you know, growing in a super small city and getting known around the world and have the power to affect. I remember after five years in the nightlife, I was confused. I was like, is this what I'm meant to do? Like be awake all night, be dealing with club owners. Some, you know, the, the front of the nightlife is very shining and full of light. The back is dark. Right. Oh, I, I was a club promoter too. All right. So we understand. In each the other. city, we are the same theater club. <laughs> yeah. I already know everything I need to know. <laughs> After five years, I wasn't sure if I'm in the right place, mm-hmm. even though Business is amazing, traveling the world, living my dream, making great money. And then I remember I arrived to Florianapolis for Carnival in Brazil. And back at the time on Facebook, I did check in, you know, that I'm flying from, I flew from Australia, from Mardi Gras. I don't know how one of the fans was waiting for me in the airport and he knew. Oh my God. Super nice guy, a bit overweight. I was exhausted. He's like, Eliad, I'm a big fan. I just wanted to give you this present. I'm like, oh my God, this is like so sweet. Please, tonight, come near the DJ booth before the show. Come on the left side. I will, I will find you. He just said a good vibe. I went to the hotel, shower, rest a bit, went to the party. I see him at 2 a.m. near the DC. I'm like, come here. His name was Roberto. I took him on the DJ booth. He was living his life, dancing and jumping and having the best time. And then I went back home. And after three weeks, I woke up in the morning and I saw a long message on Facebook that broke me to pieces. And was a picture there of his arm with a tattoo of mustache. Mustache is the logo of my party. And I was like, why did he do that? And he told me that, he wrote me, Eliad, you had no idea nothing about me, but you were nothing but nice. I'm going, I'm fighting cancer for the last two years. I'm going through chemotherapy because I've been fat all my life. People treat me like shit and I really lost hope about life. And I was really ready to give up because it was just a hell. And then I met you 
without knowing nothing about me and you proved me that they are good people. You took me on the DJ booth and I never enjoyed. I did this tattoo because sometimes after the chemotherapy, I don't remember things. Every time I wake up, I want to see this tattoo and remember that there are good people like you in the world and I'm going to fight hard and win. And right. I think this is one of the things I'm proud most from all my I careers. Have chills. That's I have goosebumps. That's amazing. So for me, it's to know that, you know, Someone from a small city in Israel can affect someone else in a small city in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I gave him my phone number and I told him, please, every time after you leave the chemo, call me and let's win this together. And after a year, he won. He won. Wow. And for me, you know, it's not about how big is your success or if you can really help someone else. It mm-hmm. just means the world to me. Well, wow. you're still in touch. Once in a while, mm-hmm. but before that's we would be so like, "Beautiful, that's yeah. so beautiful, that's amazing, wow, that's wow." A, I yeah. didn't expect that, but I'm I know. so I didn't expect that either. And this was my answer about the nightlife because mm-hmm. I was thinking I'm in the wrong place, but then I'm like, no, if I can right. use this for to do good things, everything worth it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's interesting because you don't necessarily expect someone in like the nightlife industry to have like an experience like that. Like it's just so like meaningful. And I, it's kind of funny because we one of, one of the other questions we want to ask you is like, what's one of the craziest DMs you've ever gotten? Because like our mind is like, oh, someone that works in the party world and like, you know, you're... Oh, probably, you beat the stereotype. Probably gets like these insane DMs. And you just told us about a DM you got, but instead of being a crazy one, it's like a beautiful one. Beautiful. Okay, so this is a game we designed specifically for you. It's the hot or not fashion edition. Okay. So all you have to tell me if is if it's hot or not. Ham or low? Lo ham. Ham or low? Ham or kar? Ken, Ken, there you go. You're better than me. I, I understand more than I speak. Okay, plaid shirts on the first date. What? Plaid shirts. Plaid on the first date. Plaid means? Plaid, like, 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 like when you have the stripes that go both ways. No. <laughs> Cold. Not hot. Love, not hot. Love, love. Okay. Um, really tight skinny jeans on an ice skating date. No. Freezing. No, not, not hot. Not hot. Bucket hats on vacation. What was that? Bucket hats on vacation. Okay. Well, can be. Um, funny Jewish apparel. So kind of like those sweatshirts or hoodies that maybe have like funny like Jewish. Like approved. Like funny sayings on yeah. like a Saturday chill Hot. afternoon. Hot. Hot. Perfect. Button down oh. shirt on the Hot. first date. Hot. Okay, and then this one's debatable. Suit, not tuxedo at a wedding. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, I know some wait, people- Wait, we're forgetting about the fact that- we're, we're forgetting about the fact that Israelis wear jeans to weddings. Yes, jeans to If you ever go to an Israeli wedding, you do not- you should have made every question. Jeans, jeans, hot, 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 hot. Jeans. Okay, wait, really quick. I'm going to play a game with you. Blue jeans. White shirt. No, no, no. Blue ah, jeans, what? hot or not? Hot. Okay, red jeans. 
Not. Pink jeans. No. Purple jeans. This is for what? For we to wear or for someone any, to come on? Any day, wear? any day. Gray jeans. Yes, hot. Rainbow jeans. For party with friends, yeah. For a date, no. Don't come with sparkle, rainbow jeans. Sparkle jeans. Who? Sparkles. Sparkles. No, no, don't. Not for a date. <laughs> brown jeans. Is there such a thing? Yeah. Like brown leather, yeah. leather like, jeans, ooh. leather jeans. Oh. Leather yeah, for first date, no. But hot leather's hot. Maybe later on, but is I don't leather, know. Wait, I want something simple. Like, I want to go to the Are leather, leather pants too much for a first date? You think? Do you think? Yes. You have, for, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm like. I will not focus on the guy. We focus on the letter. What? What? Marla no. needs to start sending you her date outfits. Anyways, next game: cute or cringe. So all you have to say is cute or cringe. Thanks for playing that game as well as jeans or no. Okay. <laughs> you know what cringe a, is, right? Cringe is like cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. On a first date, they say they stalked you on Instagram. Cute or cringe? Cute. Um. Someone's thrill. I prefer what? to they pretend because some people I hate. Some people will buy, oh my God, what's your name? Da, da, da. We change Instagram and then I see the messages. They send me a message for 10 years. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, for don't, like, lie. don't lie, don't yeah, lie. Yeah, keep it free, keep it free. Um, someone sliding into the DMs of your fashion page to hit on you. Yeah, not, not very smart, so not hot. Cringe, cringe. Cringe. Impression of an Israeli accent within 10 minutes of the first date. Hot. You, oh. you like when people do an Israeli accent impression? Oh, Eliad, you like ah, when people talking like this? Impression or have the accent? No, no, like within they're, the first 10 minutes of the of date. Yeah. No, like, well, they're like, oh, let me do an impression. Cute, by like in a Cuban. Oh, I was thinking they have it. Oh, they like, mm, if, it, if, they're, if it's a good impression, maybe. <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> Okay, and then where can people find you? Are you working on anything soon? Like um, social media. I'm going every two months to Israel with Maccabi Task Force, which help us to promote Israel and bring influencers. Mm. So I'm there January 3rd or 10 oh, days. Yes, we heard about this at the at the event. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can all do something. Yes. And well, I worked, it's still gonna take time. I shot my documentary one year ago in Israel for one month. My family, my mom, my friends from the army, my friend, like it's, it's coming soon. Still need some more stuff, but coming soon. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And wait, so where can people find you on social media? What are the different use? Like I know, cause you, I know you have a couple pages, right? So where can people find you to follow you? On Instagram, Eliad Cohen, Eliad Cohen. And the rest, yeah, it's just, I mean, Facebook and TikTok, I don't, I posting things there, but I never read nothing. Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Perfect. And, uh, and, oh, the main question. Yeah. So we asked, yeah, we asked this to every guest. What is your definition of a schmuck boy? Definition of a schmuck boy? Yeah. <laughs> like schmuck in a negative way? Yes. The name of this podcast is Schmuck Boys. Okay. So, like, what is your opinion? First of all, schmuck is a Yiddish word. Yeah. yeah. Um, My mom reminds me every day what it means, by the way. 
such a schmuck. They always say it like when uh, the guy misbehaving, let's say, uh, oh. Like he's being yeah. an ass boy. Like the girl will say, yeah, I went for the date. And I was it. She said, I was waiting for 30 minutes. He was like, such a schmuck. There you um, go. Exactly. Let me see what else. Yeah, it was raining and he had one umbrella and I was getting air, air from the hairdresser for three hours and he ran away with the umbrella and he left me along the rain. What a piece of schmuck. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's exactly. The dollar and the colors, everything, everything that like schmuck. Basically not someone you want to date. Schmuck, no. For me, it's like rule number one, be a good person. The rest, mm -hmm. we take it from there. Amazing. You're our first Israeli. You're our first person being able to talk about dating in the gay Jewish community. Like you brought up so many incredible things that we've wanted to talk about. And you were like the perfect person to speak about it with. I'm really glad. Well, thank you so much for your time. You Everybody go follow him on all platforms, but do yes. not DM him on TikTok. If you do and you want him to see it, DM me so I can teach him how to find it. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Cause you're just a smug boy You're just a smug boy That's not enough boy Don't need another another smug boy Cause you're just a smug boy You're just a smug boy That's not enough boy Don't need another another smug boy